Welcome to another episode of the Leaf Cats. Takes by Leaf for Leaf. Yo, I appreciate you tuning in. You could be doing anything with your time, but you choose to listen to me. So I'll rock with you. So it's been a, I think I've taken off about a week or so off of doing the show. Um, leading up to Thanksgiving, obviously now that we're out of Thanksgiving and Black Friday is past us, Cyber Monday is on way and money is steadily flowing out the door. Welcome back to the LeafCast. Take your mind off of all of the money that you have spent or will spend and uh, let's have some fun. So I think the question that I don't think a lot of uh, mainstream Democrats, the media, I don't think a lot of people really pose this question, which is, what does 70 million votes give you? Well, it gives you the ability to say whatever the fuck it is you want to say. So Donald Trump can continue to talk shit and ridiculous shit about winning the election and fraud. He can say whatever the fuck he wants because he's got the receipts, meaning he can show you 70 million motherfuckers voted for me. So fuck you. And to kind of frame this up, I think we should go back in time a little bit. So let's travel in the Wayback Machine and go Obama, Obama 2008-2009 when the Republican Party was literally in shock. In shock. Because there was a nigga in the White House. How the fuck did this happen? Yo, fingers were pointing. And there was a lot of, you know, coming to coming coming to terms and you know, heart to hearts within the GOP as they had to watch this black dude sit in the fucking oval office. God damn it. That's a real thing. So what did the GOP do when Obama decided to run for re-election? They brought out another boring old white dude. Think about this for a second. If you think about nothing else, at a certain point in time, when you compare and contrast candidates, charisma and the lack thereof is apparent. And motherfuckers like a winner. The general public likes a charismatic, upbeat person. And if you could, you know, you just, if you, if someone said to you, who would you rather, you know, have a beer with? John McCain, Mitt Romney, or Barack Obama, who would you say? 
And it's not even about political party because you think about it. First of all, John McCain, I believe, was a political prisoner for at least a couple of years. And he wasn't a political prisoner like, you know, like, you know, what we imagine here in Native America, like Oz or some shit like that. He was in Vietnam. From my understanding, he was held, they tied him up in a wicker basket. So let's imagine this for a second. You ever see a good grocery store and you see a bag full of oranges? That's how they tied that motherfucker up. And they hung him from the ceiling. So much so when you saw when he was running and you would see, you know, John McCain, you would see one of his arms was permanently fucked up from the way they had this motherfucker like sandwiched down in a ball of a human being and shit for years upon years. And all I'm saying is that is a crazy motherfucker. Like that's not a person I would want to have beers with. Because I already feel like he's it, he's it, if there was a barometer of crazy, right? <laughs> There's a high probability he's already on the high side of that barometer due to the fucking wicker basket. God knows what a ice cold Heineken's going to do. So I'm not going to drink a beer <laughs> with John McCain. Um. Mitt Romney, first of all, Mitt Romney, I don't think Mitt Romney's religion um, allows him to drink a beer. Um, he's a Mormon. I'm not really going to go into a whole diatribe about Mormons, but I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I think that speaks volumes, right? We can stop right there. He's a Mormon. You do the rest. That's not a religion. Let's just stop with the nonsense. Just because you can incorporate yourself as something Look, I think we all understand. <laughs> you know what? Look, this show is not about Scientology, Mormonism, or any other, you know, church that has been created, you know, in the 18 or 1900s <laughs> or, the, or in the 20th century. I think on Scientology. Let's be fair. But, anyways, that, that, that's not the point. It just seems like, you know, Mitt probably isn't a dude I really would want to kick it with. I don't think I really want to roll up some weed with Mitt Romney. Part of me would just to look at his face because I'm sure he wouldn't want to smoke. He just had to sit there and look at me. He probably would try to convince me not to smoke. I don't even know what the fuck. I just couldn't even imagine. So scratch him out. And then that's then it's me and Barry. I mean, you know me and Barry's kicking it, kicking it hard. But the point being, two tries in a row. They rolled out these bland, fucking boring, old fucking white men. And the shit didn't go anywhere. The reason why there's really kind of three, you know, real pillars of the Republican Party. There's the wealthy, want their tax cuts. There is the kind of religious wing of the party who's anti abortion and whatever, anti-gay, whatever you want to do. Put them in that bucket. And then there's kind of this third bucket, which is kind of like, you know, poor, uneducated white dudes. You know? Call them what you want. But that's kind of the three buckets. You pull away any one of those three buckets and the shit falls. 
So now two election cycles in a row, presidential election cycle in a row, they got their ass kicked. So what are we going to do differently this time? Well, we're going to run out the same group of old white dudes. We're going to mix in some 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 uh, a middle-aged uh, Hispanic. We're going to actually two, if you want to. Ted Cruz ran. Ricky Rubio, or not Ricky Rubio, <laughs> Marco Rubio. Uh, Marco did not play basketball for the Utah Jazz. But uh, Marco Rubio is Cuban. Uh, Ted Cruz is something, son of a bitch, whatever you want to call it. You know what? I'll say this about Ted Cruz. I don't even have to dislike him on a policy, on an intellectual basis. That set that aside. Ted Cruz let another man call his wife ugly and then subsequently kiss that man's ass to stay in office. So remember, he was getting, he was losing the better O'Rourke, the man dressed up like a woman. <laughs> That's a real thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. But my whole point is they had Ted Cruz, they had, uh, you know, Ricky Marco Rubio, they had Bobby Jindal, they had the Indian. They, they were trying everything, throwing anything up against the wall. And, uh, you know, Ben Carson, the black dude, get it out there. And the problem was, you know, you still had the traditional candidate, you know, the Jeb Bushes of the world, and it was just boring. And then you bring in Trump, and this motherfucker shouting, saying crazy shit, calling motherfuckers names. Like, no one has seen that before. You know? Not only would he call them names, he'd go on the debate stage calling names. This is why I call you low, low energy, Jeb. Oh, he got owned. That was just a real thing. And then we fast forward to the election night. And people are shocked that Trump is president. And I'd love to say I was one of those people that was not shocked, but I was. Because, you know, I, you know, you look at some, you look at the polling, and then not only do you look at the polling, you look at the fact that there's a video, there's an audio tape of this motherfucker talking about grabbing bitches on the pussy. And the thought was like, wow, that's probably gonna do it. <laughs> But you know, I think the tape came out, I believe it came out two weeks before the election. I believe it needed to come out a week before the election. I think that the the extra week, the thing that always happens with Trump is this. Like even when he was, even now that he's a president, he was some really ridiculous shit, you know, call African country shithole countries, you know, go out here and, you know, talk Charleston, you know, there's uh, fairness on both sides or whatever the fuck. You know, you do all sorts of shit. You know, <laughs> face impeachment charges, collaborate with the Russians. All these scandals can happen. And typically what happens is, is like, you know, for like a five-day period, there's like, oh, you know, he, he he drops to like, let's say about 39. Then after that, he bounces right back up to where he typically is around 42, 44%. So why, why does that happen? I think it happens for a couple of reasons. The biggest thing that Trump was able to do uh, leading up to 2016, and even now in 2022 with the 70 million, where do you get that 70 million from? It's voter turnout. 
and he has the ability. Jeb Bush doesn't have any of the other characters that we talked about, did not have the ability to get poor, uneducated white men out to vote. Last guy who could do it was Bush. And I would argue Bush didn't really even do it that well. Right? <laughs> He's, there's still, still literally nothing but Democratic ineptitude allowed him to win the first time around against Al Gore. That's a story for another day. And the second one, yeah, again, he beat Kerry. I, I still, again, this is what happens when you have the establishment, whether it be Democrat or Republican, pick candidates. And you just get these fucking just boring old white dudes. So that was the Republican quandary coming in 2016. How do we juice the turnout? You get Donald Trump. Donald Trump juices the turnout. You know, and like I said, even when he has, you know, a bad week, when he's caught on tape saying, you know, hey, I do acknowledge the fact that the COVID uh, disease is deadly, <laughs> all this type of shit. So like I said, there's typically, you know, a dip and then it'll bounce right back because you have people, there's a lot of people who vote for Donald Trump and don't want to acknowledge that they vote for Donald Trump whether that's because of the tax cuts or whatever. I mean, I'm not here to judge you, right? And quite frankly, I don't give a fuck. But I do know logic and statistics, right? So when I'm working with folk or I'm interacting with folk, statistically speaking, more likely than not, there are some Republicans in that group. And they're all, yeah, 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 that's a bullshit, shouldn't have done that. Yeah, yeah, it's a bullshit. But I'm still going over this motherfucker. I may not tell you, but I'm going to vote for this motherfucker. Because there's something about this dude. I don't give a fuck. You know, I'll just tell it like it is. He's a straight shooter. Whatever you, whatever they want to call it, doesn't matter. But what it's done is, again, energize the Republican Party like no other. You can make the argument that he energized the Democratic Party as well, but that's the story for another day. So you got 70 million votes. He doesn't have the presidency, or he doesn't have a second term yet, but he's got... $70 million worth of currency to play. That's why no one's saying anything in the Republican Party. Right? <laughs> and I think now, here is the fucking crazy, mind-blowing part about the whole deal. This is the thing that I think is going to be really interesting for the Republican Party is that with this 70 million, million votes, it's unfettered power. How do you corral it? How do you check it? How do you do anything with it? When its interests don't align with yours. So what do I mean by that? What have you heard over the last two weeks and actually leading up to the election? Leading up to the election was, there's no way I can lose. If I do lose, it's because the election was rigged, it was faked, it was, it was stolen. Now that he's lost, it's rigged, fake, stolen, whatever you want to call it, that's how he views the fucking election. Can't trust the process, it was stolen from me. If you believe, or not, if you don't have to believe it, I think statistics will show itself out that there is a core group of Trump supporters that just believe this motherfucker. 
Why else would they be outside at rallies? Arm to arm, coughing on each other in the midst of a pandemic. In the midst of a contagious disease that travels by air, why would they do that? This white dude, this fucking dude, is the Pied Piper of uneducated white people. So now he's saying that the voting is all fucked up. So fucked up. All the voting is fucked up. Well, guess who that would have an impact on? His voters. And if somebody told you that the system was rigged, would you go back and try the same system again? So with that as the backdrop, I just want to talk a little bit about some things that are transpiring now in the beautiful state of Georgia. So again, as we've talked about, He's basically made the argument that the election is a fake. Fuck the election. Now you've got Georgia voters that are needed to vote twice. They've got to vote at the same time, obviously, but they've got to do two. They've got to get two senators. Two. There are two Senate seats that are up in the state of Georgia. Two Republicans on the ticket. And you've got Donald Trump being Donald Trump. Because again, what the fuck does he care? The backstop, the context of all of this shit is. What would you do to stay out of prison? What would you do to stay out of bankruptcy. Keep some of your dough. You do fucking everything. And then on top of that, 70 million votes? Motherfuckers is riding with me. This is why Fox is really boxed in. And, 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 and I do this aside, and I'll get back to the state of Georgia in a second. But what's amazing to me is if you if you if you haven't done it, try try to watch some Fox coverage. You know, I put on some Fox coverage the other day, and the shit was so crazy. I thought I was watching like a Saturday Night Live skit or something. I was I had to check the channel button to be like, oh shit, this is Fox. So now Fox has got to just keep foxing it up, right? You can't go, you look, 70 million. That motherfucker got 70 million in his pocket. You better kowtow to this dude like he fucking wants you to and promote all of the bullshit. Even when it's so ridiculous when you want to blame Venezuela. Like, <laughs> yo, look, I'm all for it, dude. Please. Continue to say, because this is the thing when I hear reporters talk about the fact that he's eroding democracy. No, he's not. No, he's not. The only people where democracy is being eroded are these dumb white folk. So fuck them. 
fuck them. Like, you know, seriously, if, if you, it, things need to be taken into context. And it is amazing when you hear the media take these stories or make these fucking just ham-handed, stupid... This is one of the reasons why it's hard for me to watch a lot of the cable news punditry, whether it's CNN or any of these shows. Because at a certain point in time, they're all just saying the same shit over and over again. Whether it's, you know, Republican or Democrat or whatever, a lot of the shit is just becoming regurgitated. Oh, it's dangerous. It's dangerous to our democracy. Oh, it's not. No, it's not. Now, withholding the transition and all that shit, that's some bullshit that should have been done. But in terms of him making baseless allegations in court and losing in court, fuck it. What's wrong? What's wrong with the man getting embarrassed in court? What's wrong with that? He can fucking file it. File it. That was my whole point. When the shit started, he was like, oh, Pennsylvania's own motherfucker, just file, file, file the shit in court. I'm sure they'll handle it. I'm sure they'll handle it. Yo, it was so bad that the fucking Republican state-appointed judges were like, what the fuck is this? What do you want us to do with this bullshit? So, (laughs) just keep that in mind when people tell you about all the harm that Donald Trump is doing to democracy. But it has uh, affected establishment Republican figures in Georgia. Who <laughs> This is true. So the two Republican senators, uh, Purdue and Loeffler, have been faced with accusations from voters that they're not Trumpian enough for not wading completely into the Trump, uh, Trump's baseless claims. So basically, again, 70 million voters, these motherfuckers is like, yo, Purdue, Loeffler, you guys better fucking get out here and fucking start screaming. Just act a fool. Act a fucking fool. And quite frankly, they're trying their best, but it is hard with a straight face to tell motherfuckers that a dead dude in Venezuela is somehow manipulating the United States voting system. That's just pretty hard. But what do I know? So these two are getting shitted on because they're not Trumpy enough. They're also getting shitted on when literally, so this is like one of these dudes, Purdue, he's at a campaign stop and one of the fucking, you know, supporters come to him and says like, yo, what are you doing to stand up for President Trump? Like, what is this motherfucker supposed to do? Like, I don't even know. Like, just stop burning shit. Yo, that's that. You know what? That's what needs to happen. David Perdue needs to take the American flag, turn it into a vest, right? Just punch some holes into the arm so it's like a fucking vest. Then rip off a piece at the bottom, make it into a fucking headband. And he should just run around Atlanta. With Molotov cocktails, just throw them, just throw them wildly into the streets in Atlanta. <laughs> Ride or die. Anyways, so 
Uh, Political reports that Crooked Purdue and Crooked Kelly, named after Kelly Loeffler, are popping up on social media, accusing the two senators of being liberal demo rats. I don't even know what the fuck that... See, this is the problem when your base is a bunch of dumb motherfuckers. Like, they are prone... If you thought that the QAnon was just some bullshit, this is just the tip of the iceberg of dumb white people who make up excuses for why things happen, don't happen in their favor. It's the racism. It's the affirmative action. It's the black guys getting my job. It's all the immigrants coming in from overseas. How about the fact that you're dumb? How about that? Anyways. So, <laughs> it's great to be a Republican. <laughs> so just remember, as we move to a different topic, that this election is not over. We still have the runoff in the state of Georgia, and I look forward to the outcome. Um, I believe it might have even been the last podcast, tell you how long it's been since we've done a show where we talked about the late, great, not the late, he's still alive, late in terms of his musical career. I don't think anybody's like <laughs> going to a journey. Con- no, he's not journey, excuse me. His Genesis, a Genesis concert. <laughs> All these white groups tend to bleed together to me. But Phil Collins back in the news. Um, when last we left Phil Collins, Phil Collins um, was locked out of his own $40 million mansion in Miami by his ex-wife, who he was dating when she informed him that she was seeing someone else. And then he promptly was informed that the someone else that she was seeing was her husband. I'm going to stop there. Let that soak in. (laughs) So now she's still in the house, which is, you know what? Big ups to at a certain point, you may not like some shit. You may not, it may not cut with you. You may not like fuck with it, but you have to acknowledge it just for its audacity. So she's still in the house. Um, battling court documents, and her name is uh, Chavay Bates, argued that Collins made an oral agreement in 2005 that she would have a 50% stake in the property. I'm sorry, so let me just... <laughs> uh, uh, an oral argument. Excuse me, oral agreement. I don't know what kind of oral agreements that she's used to But I know if somebody orally agreed to give me 50% of a $40 million mansion at some point in time, I'm going to want that shit put in right. I don't give a fuck how good or great the oral agreement was. I'm going to need that shit in writing. I don't care if it was the best oral agreement that I've ever had. I'm going to need that shit in writing. But what do I know? So her argument is, again, this nigga, or excuse me, this white man, this old white man, 
had agreed to give her half his half his property in Miami. It was in the mansion. Let's just say one day, and he was chilling, and you know, you like, hey, you know, what are you doing tonight, Phil? Phil, like, hey, you know, just chilling here, you know, relaxing in the heat of the night. What are you getting into? She's like, oh, you know, just just really like the house. He's like, oh, you know, you know what, you like this house? Like, yeah, you know, I really like it. I've been here for a while. Kind of accustomed to it. And Phil's like, yo, you know what? I'm going to do you a solid, baby. This house? Half. Yo, half is you. Really? Phil, you don't mean that. No, no, I'm serious. Half. Phil, Phil, is it the drinks? Is it the booze? Is it the pills? No, no. I'm sober as a motherfucker right now. And I'm just telling you, you got half on it. Should we put it in writing? No, 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 no. That would fuck up the whole vibe. Let's just orally agree to this contract. Pow. So, <laughs> yo, he had to file suit accusing her of unlawful detainer and forcible entry after she failed to leave his Miami house. <laughs> So, allegedly, she agreed, along with her husband, to uh, vacate the house and allow Phil Collins' realtor to put the house on the market and sell the property. Contingent on getting half of the fucking value of the house once it was settled. (laughs) Collins' attorneys claim that Bates is using the home as a weapon against him. (laughs) Keep in mind, they were married previously in which he paid this babe $47 million in 2008. Then they got back together. Now this nigga can't get into his house. So, a couple of things that are entertaining to me about this story. One is, does Phil Collins have any friends? Like, does anybody really fuck with Phil Collins? Like, in his group of... Like, anybody? Like, even, like, the housekeeper? Is anybody like, fucking with him to be like, yo, B, what the fuck? I think she's playing... Because this was ridiculous that this was going on. Second thing... This woman claims in her suit, part of the suit, that Phil Collins refused to shower and bathe for like a year and brush his teeth. Phil Collins' attorneys say that is preposterous. And I'm just like, yo, if you have to start a conversation denying the fact that your client does not brush his teeth. <laughs> like that that's not a winning point to come from. <laughs> Second of all, I I'm not I don't do family law, I don't do uh real estate law, but I've never heard of the stinky breath defense. Like this motherfucker's breath smelled like shit, therefore I get half the house. Like I don't know. But you know what? I give you respect. Big ups. Big ups. Big ups for trying that shit. So, 
the final thing I want to talk about is uh, talk a little bit about uh, hip hop and uh, Southern hip hop. And recently there was a versus battle between Gucci Mane and Young Jeezy, I guess now formerly known as Jeezy. He got the young out of his name. I think that's kind of probably about right. It was time. He matured as an artist. He's no longer young Jeezy. He's just Jeezy. And I, I just want to go back and really kind of put it into context because I didn't see the versus battle. I, I don't do that, but I did listen to just the playlist, the songs that were played during the battle. And one of the things that was interesting to me is that for most of the songs, and there's some outliers there, a little bit more with Gucci than Jeezy, but for most of their hits, their real like bangers were really coming out, I want to say circa 2007, 2000, between 2007, 2010. And, you know, for me, what I think is important about that era was pre-2007, there was um, Jermaine Dupree with his so-so deaf and, you know, it was like the Laffy Taffy rappers. I think a lot of rap in Atlanta, outside of Outkast, Outkast sits in its own separate, like, hemisphere. But a lot of Atlanta rap was kind of sing-songy. And wasn't really taken seriously. It's kind of known for more of like, you know, effeminate dances and shit. And, you know, just bullshit. But when Gucci Mane really took off and Jeezy really took off, that was a whole different side of Atlanta that was shown or depicted in those songs. Much more drug deal, street rap. And that was like, I would say, the peak for that type of rap coming out of Atlanta, for me, was that era. I mean, if you want to go further with Future, that's a little bit different because I don't really consider him drug dealer, street rap. That's more like drug rap. <laughs> like Future, Future's rap is really about like enjoying narcotics. <laughs> so that is what it is, but you know, it's not the same, or at least not for me personally. But to me, they were both really, you know, pioneers in that respect in terms of coming out of Atlanta. And I'm sure there's some other artists that I'm, I'm, I'm neglecting, but those are the two that stand out. So they did a, you know, a versus battle. And one of the things that came out of the battle was, and so just to go back, hold on, I want to do two, uh, I'm going to put a pin in that in a second. And I want to talk, go back to Outkast because to me, Outkast is a whole different hemisphere group. It's not even fair to, they they transcend rap in a way that very few hip hop groups have ever been able to do, um, as a duo. Then I think the thing that's important about Outkast is that Andre 3000 is part of Outkast, and he's I would say in the top three lyricists of all time. <laughs> that's that's how nice he is. And if you don't believe me, go back and play the records. But the long and short of it is. They did an interview with uh, Young Thug. And again, if you're older, like, who the fuck is Young Thug? Doesn't even matter. Of a, a, an Atlanta rapper who was like, you know, Andre, I don't even know any Andre 3000 rhymes and this, that, and the third. This, that. And it's like, dude, what are you, t like, you sound like, just stop talking. Like, just Because the more you talk, the stupider you fucking sound with that shit. 
But anyways, so, so going back to the versus battle between Gucci and Yeezy, they had history of beef with each other. I think at one point in time, they were friends or who knows what the fuck. They had a falling out. And it eventually led to a friend or an associate of Jeezy's breaking into Gucci Mane's house to either try to rob him or kill him. I don't know which, but Gucci shot and killed this dude. It's a real thing that happened. So that's beef to a whole different level when a dude kills your man. So these two really had issues with each other and they did the versus battle. And from my understanding, there were some things that Gucci did to antagonize Jeezy, like playing a song about how he killed Jeezy's boy. And Jeezy didn't say anything to it. And I guess my first response would be, that's not new. Like he was aware of the fact that this dude had been murdered like for almost a decade. So I don't know if he hadn't gotten around to doing whatever violent act you wanted him to do, when was he going to do it? Like, <laughs> you know, I'm going to wait till live stream on Versus and then I'm going to shoot it. Like, oh, I just don't understand that part of hip hop culture at all. And then I get, you know, it's like, well, you know, he was the bigger man, you know, not to do it. It's like, well, or not to whoop his ass on TV or try to shoot him or something like that on TV. And it's like, well, you know, let's not set the bar that low. <laughs> like, like why would you first of, all, first of all I'm not sure again I don't know what the setup is for versus but I wouldn't want to be around a whole bunch of motherfuckers in a pandemic number one number two I would not commit a crime on a live stream event during a pandemic first of all I would, I would not commit a crime on a live stream event I definitely would not commit a crime on a live stream event during a pandemic because I don't want to go to jail during a pandemic. I don't want to go to jail at any point in time, and I definitely don't want to fucking go to jail during a pandemic. Riddle me dumb. But I think the point that I would come away from the story, and this this story is also part of a larger context where a couple of weeks ago, a rapper by the name of King Vaughn was murdered in the streets of Atlanta. I think he was in a, engaged in a fist fight. And... Uh, Quando, Rondo, I don't even know who these motherfuckers are. I tried to listen to a King Vaughn song. It just sounded like trash. And again, I'm old, so whatever. It, you know, don't be mad. But it sucked to me. Um, I, I've not listened to Quando, Rondo, and just because of that name, I probably am not going to listen. That's probably not something that's going to happen in my life. But the point of the story is these are black men who are killing each other in the streets. Fuck COVID, fuck the police, we're doing this to ourselves, and over what? And that's more rhetorical than any, you know, explanation that I can have for the shit. So, as much as I'm a hip-hop fan, I'm a diehard fan of hip-hop, you know, I'm really, like, to me, there's a difference between a song a record, whatever you want to call it, and committing crimes in the street and going to jail, and and more than that, murdering black men. So, 
you know, I, again, I treat music the same way I treat movies or any other form of media. It's not real life. It's a story that I'm watching or I'm listening to. But at the point that the artist, and again, it'd be the same. Look, if Robert De Niro was out in the streets, you know, looking off shots at Al Pesci I, or Al Pacino, I'd feel the same way. And so I guess the point that I would leave the show with is this one. And unfortunately, it's not as uh, humorous I would have liked. But, yo, man, at what point in time does us killing each other, does that shit not become cool? At what point in time, really, does it just not become fashionable? Like, it's just, it's, it's heartbreaking on many levels. It's heartbreaking if you experience it in your personal life. But it is also heartbreaking to watch it from afar of literally us doing to ourselves what the white man could not do. Anyways, as always, I appreciate you tuning into the show. Stay safe. Stay situated. Stay calm. And most of all, stay positive. Peace.